0: Hello, everyone. This is J.D. Fascinetti, and you are listening to another exclusive podcast from Pituitary World News. We are delighted today to welcome again Dr. Scott Struthers, who's the chairman of Crenetics Pharmaceuticals. Lots of exciting things going on at Crenetics, so it's always great to have the opportunity to talk with Dr. Struthers to get the latest on all of the developments. Crenetics is a pharmaceutical company based in San Diego, California, dedicated to developing much needed therapies for people with rare endocrine diseases and is currently developing medications for acromegaly, neuroendocrine tumors, Cushing's disease, congenital hyperinsulinism, and congenital adrenal hyperplasia. We're going to talk at length about these projects currently in the chronetics Pipeline. For those of you who are new to our podcast, this is the third podcast with Dr. Struthers, and it is always a thrill for me to chat with him as he shares his remarkable knowledge of pituitary and endocrine science. Welcome, Dr. Straderj, and thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us again. It's always a pleasure to welcome you to our microphones. As I should tell you that your podcasts are very popular and well-received with our audience, so it's great to have the opportunity to chat with someone in the thick of things, so to speak when it comes to the development of drugs and therapies uh, that benefits pituitary patients and NET patients. Uh,
1: th- thank you, JD. It's always fun to talk to you and I'm, I'm glad we can uh, you know, provide some use- useful information out to all the pituitary patients out there.
0: Yeah, thanks, thanks so much for taking the time to do this. I know you're extremely busy. So, so let's start with a subject that's uh, on everyone's mind. How has your work been affected by COVID this year?
1: Well, um, you know, like like most other places, our corporate headquarters has been uh, very restricted so that most of us are working from home and only the people working in the laboratories that need the facilities are there.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and then more importantly, you know, we were amazed at how the patients and investigators in our acrometically clinical trials around the world uh, we're able to continue to participate and contribute to the advancement of new treatments for acromegaly, even though that was through the height of the COVID period. Um, you know, we had uh, study coordinators and, and and investigators going out to patients' houses to make sure they could make study visits. Um, even in the height of the pandemic in Italy, patients still made their visits. So it's just a tremendous. Uh, it's inspiring actually, how yeah. how much people did to continue to advance the possibility of a new med for acromegaly.
0: Yeah, because it's, uh, I, I could imagine is even when you have to have people go to other places and get out of their house, like you're saying, at the height of the uh, uh, um, pandemic, uh, the effort that everybody has to make, the extra effort that everybody has to make, uh, so. Uh, yeah, well, that's and on to top because, of
1: everything else, right?
0: Yeah, That's wonderful to hear because I'm assuming that nothing really has slowed down. Everything keeps moving at a, at a regular pace.
1: Well, it sometimes feels like even at a faster pace, wow. <laughs> yeah. you know, um, because there's no downtime of getting in a plane and flying over to, you know, New York or Europe. Um, and uh, so it's just you get on one call with the friends in Europe in the morning and maybe your friends or collaborators in China at night. And so it, it, yeah, it makes for some time. long days actually.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think work is gonna change uh, tremendously after this. You know, We may go back to normal in a lot of things, but but many things are gonna be different after the pandemic is over, I would guess.
1: Well, one of the big things for us as a, a growing company is we've added 36 new employees since the pandemic. Oh, wow. And because you know we've got all these drugs we're trying to move forward and get out to patients Mm -hmm. Um, but we stopped the idea that people should move to where our headquarters is in california and just letting them work from home because if you're going to be talking from zoom across town or across the world it doesn't really matter yeah no Um, absolutely and so you know there's a few advantages we've been able to find some great people who for one reason or another you know wanted to stay where they're at which uh, allowed us to grow the company, perhaps even faster than we yeah, might have before. Yeah.
0: Well, that's wonderful to hear. Yeah, it's amazing how much, uh, uh, how many, how, ma- how much people have adapted, and the positive things of that adaptation that ha- has brought. So, so, yeah. so let's talk a little bit about the uh, the pipeline, the Chronetics pipeline. You have four projects in the pipeline in different stages of development. So, tell us about them. Uh, what's going on with all of that? If you can give us.
1: A, an overview. Sure, well, it's, it's four that people see and there's a lot more going on uh, know, beneath you know, the surface. You
0: have another one that you had undisclosed.
1: Yeah, and um, no, we're super excited. Our, our, our once a day oral drug paltucetine for acromegaly finished the phase two study showing it could keep patients with acromegaly at the same IGF levels that they were on when they were uh, taking the depot injections. We've got a drug for Cushing's and congenital, hyper, uh, congenital and uh, adrenal hyperplasia that's going into phase one clinical trials any day, and another drug for people with too much insulin uh, going into the clinic early next year. So it's very exciting times. And now that those drugs are moving towards the clinic, our discovery group can move on to the next set of patients who need something new, and uh, we've got some ideas that are cooking there.
0: Yeah. So I noticed that, is that the, the drug on, for ACTH antagonist for Cushing's? Is that the, the which, which one is that one?
1: Yeah. Uh, the ACTH antagonist um, is just about to start phase one clinical trials and we'll be looking at how well it can suppress cortisol in healthy volunteers as a way to quickly understand how well it would work in patients with Cushing's disease or congenital adrenal hyperplasia Mm-hmm. And then if that is positive, we'll go in and do some clinical work, um, probably starting in 2022 in patient populations. Yeah.
0: So when we last talked to you, we were also talking about a uh, pediatric hyperinsulinism drug, if I'm not mistaken, how is that moving? That's such an amazing project, isn't it? Oh, it's,
1: uh, it's, 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 it's a heartbreaking group of patients. Um, their community is also super well-organized, like the, the pituitary community. Yeah. And I subscribe to their Facebook feeds and um, uh, uh, Twitter feeds. And almost every day there's a new baby and a story about the baby and the, the, the struggles they're having or the, the things they've overcome or the yeah. birthdays. And to think that we've got something that may be able to help them is just, it, it warms my heart. Well, I'm
0: sure, I am sure, no doubt. That's wonderful. So let's talk a little bit about, about, or specifically about paltusatine. Sure. I learned to say that. I had the worst time with it.
1: (laughs) You know, drug names are never meant to be easy for some reason. Not at all.
0: Not at all. So, this is a drug for uh, acromegaly, like you mentioned. uh, And it's the one that is farthest ahead in your pipeline. Uh, Mm -hmm. For our listeners that remember our previous podcast, this was the molecule that we call the CRN. 0000808. 0080, 0000808. That's right. We've been working on. So I understand there's some very exciting developments. And to the extent that you can share any of uh, any of it with our acromegaly audience, it would be wonderful. So you've got it. Sure. Uh,
1: well, yeah. So maybe just to explain the name as a way to start. Yeah, so, okay, um, you know, when we make a molecule, we give it a number and we give a new number to each molecule we make. So it was eight oh eight because it was the eight hundred eighth molecule we made because the first eight hundred seven weren't good enough. Yeah, and and then as you move forward and you start to um, go into clinical studies, you ask the international bodies for a name, and we named it paltusatine because it's a it's a conversation about how to name it, um, and the important part about the name is the suffix the the sotine suffix is unique to paltucetine because the suffix defines a class of drugs. And so there's no other molecule in this class of drugs yet. So it's a first in class. We're pretty excited about that. Um, But then since I I think our last podcast, um, as I mentioned in the earlier part of the conversation, we've now finished our phase two studies in acromegaly patients. Um, We had more than 60 participants from around the world, everywhere from Eastern Europe to Brazil, to Australia, New Zealand, and across the US. Um, And the exciting thing for me was, this was a switching study where these were patients who were on the injectable somatostatins, Mm you know, octreotide, lanreotide, depots. We switched them to paltucetine oral once a day just take it in the morning and uh, then did that for 13 weeks and we're adjusting the dose during that period. And then look at your IGF levels at the end of the 13 weeks compared to when you're on the injectable depots. And on average, IGF levels were the same with a once a day oral as as the monthly depot injections.
0: So that gives you a tremendous indication that it works very well.
1: Oh, it was uh, it was great, and um, you know it sh- should give patients confidence as they think about enrolling in our phase three trials, that you're not taking a huge risk about loss of control. Now it's still an experimental drug, and there's things to learn, but uh, it seems to be working really well, and the safety profile was excellent. So we're seeing um, a very benign safety profile. Some symptoms of acromegaly still, as you might expect. Um, some things that look a lot like uh, what the injectable somatostatins, a little bit of GI upset, uh, but more so in volunteers who've never had a somatostatin analog than in people who've been on it for a while. And when you and,
0: say, oh, I'm sorry, sorry. No,
1: no, that's that's I fine. Go ahead.
0: When you say just to not to, just to understand, when you say safety profile, that means that it's something that doesn't hurt something else. As you,
1: That's right. You know, So we didn't have anybody drop out of the study because of safety reasons. We didn't have any um, uh, worsening of disease. Um, You know, we measure that super carefully. There's lab tests, there's EKGs. It's one of the reasons these trials are so intensive is Mm -hmm. because you're looking so hard at safety, Um, but we're feeling really good about the safety profile. And that's, you know, you combine that with the ability to keep IGF under control we're feeling pretty darn good about this drug. Yeah,
0: that's wonderful. So now as you move into phase three, I'm assuming there's, there's always phase three challenges. And how, first of all, how long is that phase you, you, you anticipate being?
1: Well, I think the treatment period will be about nine months and that allows us to make sure we see a stable control of the disease for a long period of time. And then patients will be eligible to enroll in an open label extension. So they might be able to continue for the next several years on drugs. Um, And that's to both provide them a benefit for participating in the study, but also to provide the regulators with some long-term experience uh, on the drug. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Now, the duration of the study itself will all depend on how fast patients enroll in the study. And we'll be doing this around the world um, typically it takes a year or more to find enough patients to fill out a, a clinical study. And I challenge your, leader, your, your listeners, they're the ones that can change this. They can make it go faster if they're willing to sign up and try this out and uh, work with us and the investigators around the world, usually they're, no, they're normal pituitary docs, uh, to help us test out this drug. Well,
0: we'll sign up to help uh, any way possible to, get, uh, to facilitate that and get the word out to people to, to, um, to definitely consider it and, and participate because it's such a, it, you know, if you think about it, it, one thing that patients can do to move science is this, is participate in, the, in these trials. And so I know sometimes it can oh, be taxing, but it, it just, we can't stress enough how important that is.
1: Well, and the thing about the phase two trials is they tend to be pretty intensive, but phase three, since it's going to be longer, it can be a little more relaxed and it won't be quite as intensive. And I hope it's not much more work than your normal visit to the physician every month for a depot, maybe even less. but uh the other thing patients the other things patients can do, though, I know that the Acromegaly community and maybe you're involved as well are working on this uh, discussion with the FDA this winter.
0: Yes, yes, I'm so, involved in that. I'm in one of the panels. That's a wonderful, yeah. wonderful opportunity to get the word out yes
1: well and, and let the fDA know that this is important, it's an important to a lot of people, and better options are needed yeah. um, because otherwise they they may misunderstand that uh you know, it's already a well-treated disease and we, you and I know that uh, there could be a lot better options out yeah, there. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that, you know, mm-hmm. the, the amazing thing is that if this is working, even if you're in a trial and it's working for you, the, the advantages are so intense even for the people that, you think that there'd be more people wanting to be in the trial, you know, to, uh, to take advantage of that as early as possible. So, yeah,
1: I, I, I think so. And it's also interesting, you know, you, you learn about the process, you you have extra care with your nurses and physicians. Um, and as you say, it's something that we can all do as individuals to advance the practice of medicine. Yeah. You know, we were talking about COVID earlier, I think, you know, some of the real heroes are the people who signed up for those COVID vaccine trials. And it, they enrolled quickly and allowed us to now see that these vaccines are very effective, in record time. Yeah, and, and that may have a big impact on all of us in the coming coming months.
0: Yeah. Well, it's amazing because I remember before COVID, and when I had the the uh, pleasure to spend a couple of days with your team and learning a lot about vaccine development and drug development and therapy, uh, new therapies, and it is how long these things take and how amazing it is to see nine months of a vaccine development you know, today with, uh, with the Pfizer vaccine and the, yeah. and I don't know the ins and outs of any of that, but it seems to me that's just an amazing uh, uh, feat, no, to get this. Well,
1: yeah, I th- it is. And especially if you, you know the context of like some of the things we're working on, Chronetics is now an 11 year old company We've been working on this for 11 years. Uh, so it doesn't come easy. No, But in reality, my I started working on this when I was 18 years old and a freshman undergrad. I don't know if I ever told you that. I
0: did. Yeah, it's just amazing. Yeah.
1: But uh, so it, it was super rewarding for me to see that after all these decades, we can really make a new drug based on the things we've been learning for, for, for many decades that can help a, a group of patients. And now we need to extend that out to not just the acromegaly patients, but the same drug peltucetine, I hope will be useful for patients with neuroendocrine tumors, like, uh, you know, we know Steve Jobs is one of the more famous yes, uh, victims.
0: Yeah, Yeah. to that, yeah. yeah. So um, I know, uh, you know that the currently there, the, all of the treatments for acromegaly, which is mainly like you're saying, with injectables and there's a new drug out in the market for an oral uh, uh, version. Uh, and I know that paltucetine is different, but can you explain to us a little the difference um, uh, a little bit between paltucetine and this other oral drug?
1: Well, yeah, the oral drug, the other oral drugs called Mycapsa yeah. was developed yeah. by a company called Chiasma. Um, and I was just on a panel with, uh, with their CEO and the CEO of another endocrine company yeah. For an investor conference yesterday, and I think it's actually important that all our companies uh, help show that there's an unmet need in endocrinology and uh, and help advance the field. And so, congratulations to them—they they yeah. brought an oral option to a group of patients who could really use something something better than what we've got now.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and but but we're fundamentally different. What uh, the Chiasma folks have done is they managed to take um, Octreotide, which we all know, and get a little bit of it absorbed if you take it orally. And so, for sixty percent of the patients that try that drug, they're able to do pretty well on it. Mm -hmm. And so, that's great. It's but it's twice a day with uh, some fasting required around it, Um, and you still have a bit of a rise for most people in IGF. um, But it's still a step forward. Yeah. We take another approach. Our approach is to go back to very first principles, engineer a completely new molecule from scratch that's designed to be highly orally available, have a long half-life. That means if you take it once, it lasts all day, maybe even lasts into the next day. And so then that means you could take it once a day. And when we now see our data from the acromegaly group, we see that you can switch from the injectables to this and still keep your IGF levels right where they were on your previous monthly depot injections, which are not much fun from what I understand, oh. nor much fun trying to get there to get them. Yes.
0: Um,
1: and we've made another number of other improvements that make it easier to prescribe for physicians and for patients and you know, worrying about taking it with other meds they're you know, we're very clean and play well with other drugs. Um, And a lot of this comes in what I call drug craftsmanship. You saw our chemistry labs. It took us 807 molecules to find one that was good enough. So we we put a lot of attention into this molecule.
0: To me, it's such an amazing, the discovery process that you guys go through to understand if this works, it doesn't. And the decision point that says, Okay, I'm moving on with this because it's also, you know, you, I know you have a lot of information, but you go, you're not sure this is going to work, but you're moving forward based on, you know, all the knowledge. Uh, it's just a fascinating part of science, in my opinion.
1: Well, it's a it's an incredibly rewarding area okay. to work in, and uh, you know, the science is interesting, and the impact if you make it work is wonderful.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely. So. Um, let me ask you, what's on the? I know that's a lot of these things you can't talk about, but I'm going to ask you anyway. So tell me a little. I'm bit open. What's <laughs> well, you know, I understand. It. What what uh, what's on the horizon for granitics beyond uh, what you're already working on? Anything that you can tell us about in terms of the discovery part?
1: Sure. Well, you know, I. We need to remember that the endocrine pathways control almost all the functions in the body in one way or another and influence them. It helps us maintain what's called homeostasis, which is just our normal functioning physiology. And what that means is that if something's wrong, maybe there's a way with peptides to set it back to normal. And so we have lots of, lots of drugs that have come out of endocrinology that we don't think of as endocrinology. Most of the blood pressure drugs that we take for hypertension came out of an understanding of a peptide called angiotensin and mm-hmm. its role in the kidney and, and cardiovascular system. Many of our drugs in cancers like breast cancer and um, well breast is the big one prostate yeah. uh, are treated by drugs that came out of reproductive endocrinology. So we've got all kinds of new drugs to make in endocrine systems that are really well established. Um, I'm very interested in um, also how you take these endocrine drugs and use them in various types of cancers, because the different parts of the body tell each other what to do by sending a hormonal signal.
0: Yeah. A chemical signal. Sure.
1: That's, that's what an endocrine system is. It's hormones talking to each other. But that also means that each tissue is marked by different receptors for these hormones, and you can use those to target drugs to treat specific types of cancers. And I think there's some applications of what we're doing beyond just neuroendocrine tumors into other oncology. Um, I've spent a lot of time um, in in reproductive medicine. There's still a lot of gaps in in that area. Mm the parathyroid hormone and the thyroid, the parathyroid gland and the parathyroid hormones uh, are very interesting um, in, in parathyroid disease and patients with multiple endocrine neoplasia, you know, there's an excess of parathyroid hormone and no real good way to treat that.
0: Yeah.
1: That seems like a good opportunity. Yeah. There hasn't been a new thyroid drug in, since the 1940s,
0: Wow. Wow. That's, that's incredible.
1: And and it's super common. Yeah. Um, So we've got, we've got ideas of drugs for a dozen different new drugs, ideas for a dozen different new drugs, Mm -hmm. but we're still a small company and we've got to pick the first couple to do. And then we do the next couple and the next couple.
0: Yeah. I'm assuming that as you grow, then you can devote more time to discovery. It's just, it's just a great uh, dynamic that says the bigger you, you get, the better you know, your, your, the drugs in the market do. The more of discovery you can do to solve other problems, use that, uh, that intelligence to, to do it. That's wonderful. Well,
1: it, yes, it's, it's experience and it's some financial resources. Sure. I mean, when we eventually start selling these drugs, we'll be able to take that money and go back to help the next generation of patients. Yeah um you know we'll get the word out to people but i guarantee you will not see super bowl ads from us wasting money that should have been spent on on research i
0: get it, I get it. we can we can do that for you you know i mean I, one of the things that i keep like we, we always talk about things that keep you up at night but i always think about how could we get the, the endocrine word outside of what of, of the world that people are interested so it's on the radar, and people are getting diagnosed earlier than they should be you know to solve so much of the of the related comorbidities uh, and all of those related issues so yeah
1: di- diagnosis and awareness is such a huge problem yeah. it's just it's just it, especially especially in acromegaly right if if you suspect acromegaly, you can diagnose it in a few days yeah the the problem is. You might go five years before you suspect that that's the issue.
0: It's the, it's being on the radar, I call it. You know, if you if yeah, if you put it on, if the physician puts it on the list of possibilities earlier, and the phys, and the patient is smart to ask maybe some questions that might focus that doctor earlier and to say, "I hey, let's run one of these and see what happens."
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's the dynamic
0: you need, and it's not a complicated uh, dynamic. It's not that. Difficult. It's just, how do you do it efficiently? Like you say, running a Super Bowl
1: app. Yeah, we're not going to do that, but, but, but it's true. This is a common problem for most rare diseases because you know, your average physician in a a community practice may not see a patient with one of these rare diseases. And, um, it's just hard to place it. Uh, I'm kind of curious and I know my friends and, and, um, Mass General and others are really interested in the role of AI and helping
0: yeah. diagnose
1: these things faster. And yeah. that may be an interesting question for us yeah. to be asking as a group.
0: Yes, yeah, uh, we would be, I mean, we would be We would be really interested in, in collab and in getting involved in that, because that's my, uh, one of the reasons why we started pituitary war was
1: to see mm. if we could
0: affect that, uh, that time that it takes, you know, to diagnose people uh, with all pituitary diseases so
1: yeah, it's a great mission yeah.
0: well th- thank you well scott thank you i just want to thank you very much for uh spending the time with us today and uh and best best wishes for this this new drug to come to market as fast as possible and we're here yeah. to help any way we can
1: well this. thank you i super appreciate you helping us get the word out and uh, just the educational efforts in general so I hope you and, and all our pituitary friends out there you know, have a good holidays and, and Happy holidays to
0: you. I and mean, safe. Yeah, we hope that uh, next year we can uh, get together in the not too distant future.
1: I'm really looking forward to that very much.
0: Yeah, great. Thank you. Thanks again.
1: Thanks, JD. Good to see
0: you. Our thanks to Dr. Struthers and the Genetics team for facilitating these educational podcasts and making this information available. Please stay tuned for more interesting podcasts and articles. Pituitary World News is a non-profit organization dedicated to educate and inform, and to reduce the time it takes to diagnosis. If you'd like to help, you can do so by making a contribution. Support comes from our readers and listeners. So if you'd like to contribute, please go to pituitaryworldnews.org, click on the Get Involved button, and follow the easy directions. Thank you, and thank you for listening.